0: horrible, and whatever else, that in the midst of all of that, we can still consider ourselves blessed. And that can be really difficult because if you're in pain and if you're in a mess and life is hard and all the rest of it, it can be difficult to sit there and consider yourself blessed. But I think what that um, video that I just showed of your man talking really got to me was that even if I am in the worst position in the world, Living where I'm living, I'm still in the top 8% of the world in blessings. That's kind of scary. Because when I sit in the world I live in and I look at other people, I think they're rich. But I forget that I'm also rich. And I may not be rich in comparison to someone who lives out in Castlenock or Fox Rock or someplace and drives fancy cars and has big houses. And I may be physically or financially richer than people who are living in mud huts in Africa or in South America or something like that. But even if we take all of that out of it, I am still rich. Even if I am standing in comparison to somebody who's got multi-millions, if they don't know Jesus... If they don't have that gift of salvation if they don't have that gift of having god in their life then they are never going to be as rich as you who does because all of our stuff all of our blessings all of our way that we live isn't supposed to be caught up in how we're living here we we need to be part of how we're living here we need to be connected with how we're living here we need to be all of that But we are citizens of a different kingdom. We're citizens of heaven who are passing through this place. This is not our final destination. This is only part of it. And if we don't, if we can get a hold on the fact that we are blessed beyond our physical situation and even our emotional situation, but that spiritually we are blessed with riches that we can't even imagine, the difference that can make in how we handle our emotional and spiritual situations can be really huge. Um, this week we're going to look at the next few verses, which is Matthew 5, 13 to 20, and it's all about salt, light, law, and righteousness. we we'll you do that in two minutes. There's a, there's a video I just want to show you first. We're supposed to be salt and light. Let me read the scripture for you. It says in verse 13, if you have your things from last week, And in verse 17 he said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I was thinking, where do we fit in all of that? There's a heap of stuff in that and there's only like eight or nine (laughs) verses. Like, I mean, that just keep you going for years. So we look at them one, one thing at a time, this whole idea of salt. You are the salt of the earth, you. Not the holy joes, the special ones, the anointed ones, the rich ones, the gifted ones, You. Jesus was talking to the crowd. Do you remember we talked about that last week? He was talking to the people who were following him, who said they, were, they wanted to be his disciples. How close they were to being really his disciples, I don't know. But there was 5,000 people sitting there, and they were listening to him, and he was talking to them. So he wasn't talking to only the elite. He wasn't talking to the rich and the famous. He was talking to ordinary people, just like us. And that means that you are the salt of the earth. Not the fella next door, not the fella in the church down the road, not the preacher guy who's on the telly, you. It mightn't seem like a compliment, I'll grant you, being told that you're salt. But we don't have the same thing about salt now that they did back then. Now we just think of salt as something you throw on your dinner. Or you go to Chip and you go salt and vinegar, yeah? But we don't think about it the same way they did. It was a very precious commodity in those days. Very precious. Homer called salt a divine substance. And Plato described it as being especially dear to gods. It was a lifesaver. It was really valuable because it was very hard to get. And it was rare. And it had loads of really good uses. It preserved things, it disinfected wounds, it flavored things, it cleaned things, it healed. And there was loads of other things the salt did, even in those days. Nowadays, the salt industry cites about 14,000 uses for salt. I can probably think of three or four, but 14,000 uses for salt. Okay? In Bible times, they used to use it for wages. Roman soldiers were often paid their wages in salt. Did you ever hear the phrase, not water salt? Yeah, that's where it comes from. I never knew that until I was researching for this. Okay, no water salt. Okay. And here's another one. The Romans built this road for transporting salt. It was so valuable, they'd built an actual motorway. Well, for chariots, not like our M50, but you know what I mean. It was called the Via Salaria, which is Latin. Where do we get our word salary from? Salaria. Salt. Salt was a big thing. It was nearly as valuable as gold and it was a hell of a lot more useful in ordinary life. Until about 100 years ago with modern chemistry and geology they, they, they were able to find the salt was everywhere and it was really easy to get and it became very common. Up until then it was one of the most sought after commodities in the world. So if you had what we'd like buy in little now for 99 pence this big huge thing of salt you'd have been loaded if you were living back there. So when we read this text, what I want to say is, don't let's mix up what we think of salt now to what they thought of salt then. Because right now, if you had a wound, you wouldn't put salt in it. Sure you wouldn't? Because you'd be thinking, that's sting the life in me. Yeah? Right. Did you ever get... Um, we, were in, in, we were actually in some sometime, and I cut my finger, and someone gave me iodine and put it on my finger. I thought they were rather to an acid into my hands. It was like, and this was to make it better... But I figure salt is probably the same. Rubbing salt into the wounds, do you know what that's saying? But so that stings like hell, but it cleans the wound out. So there was something about salt that changed the status of something that was wounded to help it in its healing to make it better. It stopped the thing rotten. If they rubbed salt into me, it stopped the meat rotten. It was a healer, it was a lifesaver. It was an antiseptic. Now we have Savlon. Salt was a divine substance dear to the gods. See, you are designed to be valuable. You're designed to be a lifesaver to those that are drowning in a sea of worry and fear. You're designed to be an antiseptic to a sick world all around you. When I say you, I'm including me, but it's you. Again, we're not talking to the elite or the special people. You are the special people. You're designed to be a carrier of healing. You're designed to be a divine substance that is dear to God. You are designed to be a divine substance that is dear to God. You are the salt of the earth. The scary bit at the end it says, don't lose your saltiness. Keep your saltiness. Stay close to Jesus. Because if you stay close to Jesus, he'll keep you full of flavor. But if you drift away from them, you will get unsalty. Another phrase we talk about is being hot and cold. And if you stay close to a fire and you keep a coal in a fire, it's going to stay hot and it's going to stay burning. But when you take that out of the fire, it goes cold. And the reality of it is that the people I know who follow Jesus, who are following him closely, are salty people. In the best possible way of saying that. Because usually if we said someone was salty, it probably wouldn't be meant as a compliment. It means they're grumpy and they're, they're not nice to be around. But if you can take this in the way it was originally meant and the way Jesus was saying it to us was, if we stay close to him, we stay being the people who are in the bad situations, but we're bringing something good into them bad situations. We're not just part of the bad situation. We're actually bringing the antiseptic. We're bringing the healing. We're bringing the life. We're bringing the preservative. We're bringing the stuff that can make a difference. We are making the difference. God is letting us make the difference and he's using us to do that. But if we don't stay close to him, you end up being in them situations and you just become part of the crowd. You become part of the problem instead of being part of the solution. And that happens little bit by little bit. It doesn't usually happen overnight. And maybe explain a little bit better when I go to this one. It says, you are the light of the world. You. You you're the light of the world you and me we carry light in one John or in John 8 it says Jesus spoke to them saying I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life okay so we carry Jesus's light because we have Jesus living inside of us don't we don't we No. yeah maybe think about it maybe do we have Jesus in us that's what we're hoping for anyway So if we have, then we carry the light He has. Let me put it another way: Do you ever say something for those of you who are old enough to have kids and have said something to your child? Have you ever got, "Oh my God, I'm my mother, I'm my father. I'm carrying what they gave me in me, and it's coming out of me even when I don't try." Okay, if we're carrying what Jesus gave us, it'll come out of us without even trying. You will glow. Now, you may not glow like the ready-break ad, the little fella going around, but you will glow. People will see something different in us because we're carrying Jesus. They won't know what it is, and they don't need to know what it is. They'll find out what it is when the Holy Spirit wants them to find out. And some days you'll get a chance to say something, and some days you won't. And it's not about going thinking you're great because you have it. We're just blessed to have it. I done not walk over in Hill Street two years ago, Hill Street Community Centre, and we sat with this other girl. we there every Wednesday morning, and we used to set up for this programme, and we ran the programme and all the rest of it. And this week, it was about well, maybe two months into a six-month programme, and this other girl who was walking upstairs in the centre walked in, and as she walked through the area we were in, she said, I knew yous were here. And we were like, how would you know we were here? She said, the minute I walked in the door, I felt it. There was a difference in the presence in the place. There was an aura in the place. And I was going, that's Jesus. And I brought him in. And I'm not trying to say I brought him in. And they're great. I'm not great. But Jesus is great. But there was no other Christian in that building. But that girl felt something different walking through that door. Because Jesus was in the place. And every one of us have that chance. No matter how dark the place you're in is, you can be the person who brings a light into it. You might walk in a desperately dark place. But you can bring the light into it. You may be living in a desperately dark place. But you, most of us are praying to get out of them dark places. Maybe God put us in there to be the light in them dark places. Maybe. We carry Jesus' light in us because we carry Jesus. Listen, a couple of scriptures just to prove that to you. Romans 8. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. 2 Corinthians. Because the God who said, Out of darkness light shall shine is the one who shined in our hearts to illuminate the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Galatians, but when it pleased God to reveal his son in me. Galatians 2, I am crucified, but Christ is not me who lives any longer, it's Jesus who lives in me. Ephesians 3, that Christ may make his home in our hearts or in your hearts through faith. And just the last one, Colossians 1, Christ in you to hope of glory. So here's the thing. I used to think I had to make that light shine. Somehow or other, I had to ramp up and put a shilling in the meter and do something to make that light shine. People had to see something. They had to glow. I had to do something to make that happen. But the thing is, I don't actually have to do anything except stay close to Jesus. Anytime I've ever had a conversation with anyone, anytime I've ever been in a situation with somebody, anytime I've ever been used of God in any situation, I've never... Tr- actually when i've tried i usually made a mess of it when i tried to be holy in a situation i usually messed it up big time but when i tried just to be me and just stay close to jesus i've seen god walk and move and 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 do things in people's lives and it's like if we can just stay there in that place with him and just stay in relationship with him and surrender to the holy spirit when he prompts you to do things and says things to you and all the rest of it you will glow without ever having to try Because you will do what you were created to do. You'll do what you were made to do. You you don't have to try. I have a lamp. We have several lamps, okay? But I'm going to use this one as an example. Can you all see that lamp? Okay. We go the light is shining, yes? But here's the thing. It's the element inside the light that's shining, isn't it? So we've got this glass bit. And then there's this little squiggly bit inside, that's the bit that's shining. But why is it shining? Because there's electricity going into it, isn't it? If we take the electricity out, it stops shining. It's still there. So here's the point, here's, like, I suppose, the analogy I'm trying to make. The glass is us. The little squiggly bit is the Spirit of God living inside of you. When it's connected to the Holy Spirit, that's what happens. When we disconnect, that's what happens. We connect. disconnect we have the choice whether we connect or not that's up to us and then even if we're connected do we let it shine we just need to be that glass and the reality of it is electricity is extremely powerful if you stick a finger in there you'd know all about it wouldn't you yeah but here's the thing the Holy Spirit is more powerful than that electricity if that can make that shine just like that just because it's a bit of electricity and a switch and a bit of wire imagine what God can do in and through us as people. If we let him, if we if we connect with him. Like he creates universes with a word. Let there be light. Bingo, there's light. Let there be land, let there be this, let there be that. And they just, poof, they're there. Imagine what he could do in you and through you if we were just surrendered to him. And there's a part in that scripture where it says, let your light shine before men. And I think that that implies that somehow or other we can stop it. That somehow or other we can cover it up. That we can slow it down. That we can do something. And I was thinking to try and explain. So there's a bit of material, okay? It's fairly see-through. And you could throw that over. So you can still see the light. But it's a bit lower. Actually, it's kind of cool looking, isn't it? kind of feel yeah yeah okay huh it's kind of nicer looking but here's the thing when i when when i'm walking cool and i'm doing okay with god then my light is going to be like that okay it's just going to shine Don't have to make a shine don't have to do it i'm just it's just going to happen when i start making different choices that are pulling me away from god then this is what happens I still have light, it's still shining, but it's starting to get a bit fuzzy. Does that make sense? It's not that, like, nothing I can ever do will separate me from God's love. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, God will love me and always will love me. But I can do stuff that will separate me from his using me, from his blessing on my life, from his presence in my life. I can change them. Because I can do, I can lie, I can cheat, I can steal, I can do sex, drugs, and rock and rock. Whatever it is, that's, that's the bit in your life that trips you up and pulls you away from God. They're the bits. And, and, and the, the part that's scary about it is when we do a little bit and we think, oh, it's okay, because the light is still shining. But then we add another little bit. And then we add another little bit. And the light is still shining. But eventually we get to the stage where though the light might be shining inside, we've done so much, you can't see it anymore. God's spirit is still alive inside. His power is still available. But I've put so many layers of whatever you want to, like you call the word sin if you want to, but what have I done that separated me from being in a relationship with God? What have I said? What have I not said? What, have I, what has he told me to do when I've gone? I don't want to do that. Be honest in that situation, Brian. I don't really want to be honest in that situation. That'll cost me money. That'll cost me this. That'll cost me that. I don't really want to be this. I don't really want to be that. And he's going to do that. And slowly but surely, the light gets covered over by all of that stuff. And, and the way back is to go, well, get the stuff out of the way. Because the light is still shining. the light is still shining. It's not gone out. But I've separated myself from letting that light shine by the stuff that I do. And my heart goes dark. And I know when my heart is dark. I'm very aware of when I'm separated from God. And I also know what I need to do to get back there. But a lot of times it means kind of eating my own words or being humble or letting me pray take a dive or whatever it may be. say it's worth it to live because the bit we talked about last week living in that place of being blessed is about how close we stay to jesus in the middle of all of the stuff that's going on in life well and and the world's going to pull you away it's going to look very attractive i have not yet tried the sin that i didn't enjoy think about that one for a minute they're usually fun if they weren't fun you wouldn't want to do them would you if you're, in, if you're on a doya, we were on time about that a minute ago, yeah? A banana or a biscuit, the biscuit looks much nicer. Let's be honest about it. And it probably tastes nicer too. A big Krispy Kreme donut. Or a grape. <laughs> okay? Here's the thing the Krispy Kreme donut will give me two or three minutes, maybe 30 seconds of joy. And then a heap of regret. The grape may not give me that much joy but will not give me the regret either and it will keep me healthier long term does that make sense and it's a bit like that when we get the chance to do stuff that god says which is the grape or the world says which is a crispy cream donut see all of that material all it's really doing is representing the stuff that stops me letting jesus shine through the gossip, the judging other people, the getting offended, the being dishonest, the telling lawyers to save face, getting locked and making a show of myself, looking at something on the internet I shouldn't be looking at. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. The answer is the same as the salt, staying close to Jesus. And that also answers our last question, and I'm going to finish with this very quickly. The last couple of words were all about righteousness and the law. The last few words in that piece that he read. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. And here's the thing. We couldn't. You can't keep the law. You can't be good enough. It's as simple as that. But he came to fulfill it. Because he was good enough. He gave us an exchange, his right, in exchange his righteousness for our mess. See the Pharisees were holy guys. They did everything to the letter of the law. They wrote most of them. They didn't make mistakes. And I was thinking, how in God's name could we do better than them when we don't even know the law? Never mind keep it. We can't. But we can stay close to Jesus. Because the beauty of it is that Jesus living inside of me means that we live in his righteousness, which is way beyond anything the Pharisees could have ever even imagined. I have failed more in life than most of you. I promise you. I continuously fail at keeping God's standards. My flesh wins out so many times. And I am constantly aware of the shortcomings that I have in my life. But I'm also very aware of the gift of grace that I have from God. And that when he looks at me, Jesus steps in. And Jesus intercedes. And he stands in my place. And he covers me. And he doesn't just cover over the bad bits. He covers me. 100% when God looks at me instead of looking at my sin instead of looking at my failing instead of looking at my mess he sees Jesus he sees his righteousness he hears the voice of Jesus calling out my name and saying I'm his he sees me as righteous enough to enter through the gates of heaven because he sees Jesus in me and he sees me in Jesus and we're going to come to a place very soon In the scriptures where it talks about entering by the narrow gate and that narrow gate is Jesus. So here's the thing I want to say. Let's let the light shine. Let's stay salty. Let's live in the righteousness that Jesus bought for us and let's be all that God created us to be and do all he created us to do. But let's do it from that place, that amazing place of knowing that we're loved, that we're accepted, and that we're wanted, and that we're blessed. And that you don't have to try and make a light shine, all you have to do is stay close to Jesus. You don't have to try and stay salty. All you have to do is stay close to Jesus. I promise you, if you stay close to Jesus, he will put you in situations where you can be salt and light. And you won't even have to try. And when you're in that situation, you don't have to panic and you don't have to run and you don't have to walk. You just have to be you. Because if you're walking into it with him, he'll walk you through it and he'll walk you out of it. And he'll let you leave an imprint of salt and light wherever you go. Amen? Yeah? Let's pray for a minute and then we'll uh, call it a day. Father, I want to thank you for your word that is salt and light into our lives. It's not just for us to bring to other people, but you actually give it into us. I want to thank you that you have spoke to your people. I want to thank you that you made sure this was recorded so that we would all get to hear it. I want to thank you that your word brings life. That your word brings challenge, but it also brings grace. Lord, I pray for your people, each and every one of us, including the girls doing the kids and the kids themselves. I pray That we would be salt and light wherever we go and that we would know that we stand before you in the righteousness that jesus bought for us that we're never going to make it but that's okay because you've already made it you've already done it you've already made it happen we just need to walk in that love to walk in that acceptance and to live the life that we were created to live to be blessed And to be your hands and feet in this earth. And to make a difference wherever we go. Lord, encourage your people sitting in this room. I pray for whatever needs they may be facing right now. However hard they may be. Whatever pain they may be in. That you would be the answer to each and every prayer of their heart. I ask you, Lord, to move in our hearts. To move in us. To make us more like Jesus each and every day. Have your way, have your way. And I just ask you for two seconds, just on your own, between you and God, no hands in the air, no nothing, no standing up, no coming up the front, none of that. Just, is there a place in your life where you need more of Jesus and less of you? Is there a place in your life where he's been calling you to do something or to stop doing something? And you've let that block, that light shining through you because you've been saying no to him. I want to invite you just in this next couple of seconds, between you and him, surrender to him. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, invite him in and ask him to come and make that difference in your life. If you do, Maybe you need to surrender your marriage to him. Maybe you need to surrender your, your job to him. Maybe you need to surrender your finances, whatever. Let your pride take a hike. And come to the throne of grace and let him fill you where everything he has for you. Lord, I pray you